everyone. I'm Kusha, the Depsy Youth Chief of Patalik Jaya. Hi, I'm Rajiv. I do not bouquet casting as per my t-shirt. Kusha is also working in bouquet casting as per her t-shirt. And to end me, the two of us are going to attempt to record a podcast every week on issues that surround Malaysian politics, public policies, and the way the, the government decisions can affect your lives. Today, we're going to talk about the Malaysian healthcare system and how there is a brain drain issue in the Malaysian healthcare system. How the UM top graduates have been choosing to work in Australia instead of Malaysia. Alright, so for those listening and watching our show and, and they do not know this brain drain issue, Kusha, maybe you'd like to tell our audience what exactly is happening. So Prof Adiba on Twitter told us that the top graduates who study medicine in UM are looking forward to go to Australia and not serving in the Malaysian healthcare system. And for those of you all who don't follow Twitter, Prof Adiba also told you through all news channels that this is happening. So if you were reading the news in New Streets Times on Sinchu, you would have heard the same thing as well. But I, I, I am on Twitter. <laughs> I am... Citizen of Jaya, I'm very proud of it. So, But yes, Prof Adiba highlighted to us that we are losing our top graduates in UM who, who, who are doing medicine and who are looking forward to leave to Australia and Singapore and around the world, but not looking forward to serve in our Malaysian healthcare system. So let's ask Somish. Uh, he's a medical student in his third year now. Is he looking forward to going to Singapore to work after he graduates? Somish is behind the camera. He's actually recording this podcast for us. So, you know, he's not going to jump in and say He's not going to jump in and say uh, anything. Okay. But I will repeat whatever he says. Are you looking forward to serve in the Malaysian system? Um, no. He, he, he's, he's, he's doing that. No. So, you know, evidently. Our sample size is not big enough. But not big enough. Okay, but let's let's carry on with this discussion. So why is this a problem? I mean, it's a bit obvious, isn't it? Yes, I think the biggest concern from the public is that the Malaysian healthcare quality is going to drop. If we lose top graduates, we lose the best students that we have to other countries, then the quality of our government hospitals are going to drop. The quality of our healthcare services in Malaysia is going to drop. Yeah, and you know, in places like UM, where we spend close to a million ringgit to train a doctor, and if they just leave the country and look at Singapore or Australia after they graduate, that's, that's a lot of loss of resources. I think to understand this, this whole scenario as a whole, let's take a step back and understand the overview of the Malaysian healthcare and how and why this brain drain problem exists in Malaysia and you know, what potentially could be solutions to attract our top graduates to come back and serve in our country. So Rajiv, would you like to give us an overall view of how the Malaysian healthcare system is? What are we? Are we like the UK where we have the government-funded healthcare system? Or are we mostly privately-funded healthcare? Well, we have mixed. We have both private and the public healthcare system. Uh, I think people are familiar. Uh, your public healthcare is your government hospitals, your, your GH, your hospital Putrajaya, hospital Sungai Bulu, and so on. You have your clinic Kesehatans, uh, not in every neighbourhood, but in quite a lot of neighbourhoods. And uh, your private healthcare is all your uh, private GPs that you have, your clinics and shop lots, uh, as well as private hospitals uh, that you have. Your Pantai Hospital, your SJMC, your Glen Eagles, and so on. And, and so we, we have both in this country. And uh, if you talk about spending, uh, the, the public spend and the private spend on healthcare is nearly the same, 50-50. But the public uh, healthcare facilities treat a lot more patients than the private healthcare system. So the same public spend. It's a bit more luxurious in the private healthcare. Most people tend to think of healthcare as something very personal and how your personal efforts make a difference in your long-time healthcare system. 
But actually, the government policies and government interventions make a difference in our public health care system. The access to public health care, the cost of public health care. If, let's say, you were suddenly hit with a disease, you should not have to burn up your whole savings just to cure yourself. Don't sure. you agree, Rajiv? Yeah, we, we don't want people to go on to that. Yes, we, we don't want people to resort to you know depleting their entire savings just to live. And these are the different ways the government intervenes in our Malaysian healthcare systems. And today we're going to understand how that happens, as well as how, why and how we can prevent this brain drain that we were having a conversation about earlier. So Rajiv, um, mm-hmm. do you think health inequality exists in Malaysia? It certainly does. I mean, if, if you are richer, you have more options. And you can access uh, insurance, you can access private hospitals and private clinics, and, and that gives you more options than if you're not wealthy. Than if you're not wealthy. But I- so, healthcare in Malaysia is uh, made out of private healthcare and public healthcare. So, in private healthcare, you've got your private hospitals and your private clinics. Um, sometimes, when you go to clinics, you pay out of pocket 50, 70 ringgit per visit. And when you go to private hospitals, you some people pay cash or credit cards, uh, and some people use insurance. And, and this insurance is what you have to buy beforehand when you're still healthy, not after you get sick. Uh, but in the public healthcare system, that's open to all Malaysians, whether you're rich or you're poor, you can access it, uh, go to a government hospital near you, or a government clinic. So these clinic kesihatans are all over the country. Uh, it may not be in your neighborhood, but you'll, you'll find one maybe within half an hour drive of wherever you live. Uh, but while... We spend, as a society, as a country, uh, nearly the same amount of ringgit, both in private and public healthcare. Uh, public hospitals and clinics treat but two times more patients than the private ones. Um, there's an inequality uh, over there. Um, and there's also a challenge as we move forward as to in what model do we want our country uh, to go down. Do we want everyone to buy insurance to access private healthcare, or do we want to increase the government spending on healthcare? So uh, previously, there have been a lot of discussions. Uh, if you follow the political sphere, the manifestos by various political parties of increasing the public spend so that our government hospitals become better and, and all of us can have decent treatment in government clinics and government hospitals, that's one way forward. And the other way forward is, you know, the American way, you know, go, go to private hospital, buy your insurance, and, uh, and get treated there. So, uh, what do you think about these two options? Uh, which way uh, do you think we should move forward? Okay, before I weigh in on that, um, we always hear activists calling for 5% of GDP. Yes, how, healthcare do. should always become 5% of GDP. What does this mean, actually? Alright, so that means how much you spend. Uh, so, at the moment, we spend about 32 billion ringgit a year on healthcare. The government spends about 32 billion ringgit a year on healthcare. And that money is from your taxes, uh, your corporate tax, your individual income tax, your export duties, all this money goes into the government coffers and the government spends a lot of money in education and healthcare as well as a lot of other things like building roads and uh, paying civil servants their salaries. Uh, but when it comes to healthcare, is 32 billion ringgit enough? So 32 billion ringgit is slightly over 2% of our GDP and that is not enough uh, to sustain uh, a good public healthcare system. Uh, and that is why there's a lot of uh, advocacy to increase that to 5%. By increasing it from 2% to 5% means a huge increase in government expenditure. That will mean some form of new taxation that may have to come into place in order to be able to fund that. So it's a nice dream that the government should spend more money, but it's also an expensive thing to do. And 
it will require some amount of either cutting spending on something else, like maybe we spend less on national defense or we spend less on education uh, in order to spend more on healthcare, or we have to increase our revenue, which means uh, increasing taxes in one way or the other. Coming back to your earlier question, should we do the American model where people go to buy a private insurance and go to private healthcare or go to we should increase our government funded hospitals? I think that we should definitely increase our government funded hospital. Insurance is not accessible and available to everyone as we just discussed. Um, there is a weight discrimination in insurance, there is a cost discrimination in insurance. Like I may not be able to buy the most the best level of insurance because you know it's very hard to expect what kind of diseases can come to you and how much coverage you should purchase and how much of your salary you should be spending on insurance. I just got a quotation for my insurance and it was close to 200 ringgit. And some people just may not have that much to spare, especially if you're a family of four. Yeah, that's true. And not everyone can afford uh, insurance today at the prices that they are. But it's not just a discrimination against weight, uh, pre-existing illness. Like Let's say you were born with a hole in your heart you will not be able to purchase normal private insurance as you grow up. And in that case, or if you had cancer as a child, uh, it would be very difficult for you to purchase insurance in, when, you, when you start working. So uh, a lot of Malaysians will not be able to access private ins insurance. And if the government decides that it doesn't want to expand public health care and the government wants to ask people to take responsibility for themselves and, and buy their own health insurance and look after their own health, in, in that sense, then the government has a duty to step in to regulate insurance and to ensure that medical insurance is available to all and not just uh, the ones that the insurance companies chooses to sell to. So uh, that was something we saw in Obamacare, uh, one, one of the revolutions that uh, happened in America when Obama became president was the accessibility to health insurance was improved. Uh, you may argue that will increase the cost of insurance. It, it does, uh, that, that is something we just can't avoid, uh, but it also makes it then accessible to everyone. That even if I have a pre-existing uh, condition, I can still buy insurance. If, if someone has had, had a heart attack at 40 years old, he can still buy health insurance for the next 10, 20 years of his life, and he's not excluded from healthcare options. And so, so that's something that is, is going to be difficult for the government to put on uh, the insurance companies, uh, it takes a lot of political will and it starts with some amount of public discussion. And I think today we're taking start the yeah, such discussion. Definitely, I think public health and healthcare system is always underfunded and as, yeah. as an active crisis. We only saw that in the COVID 19 pandemic, we actually reached the 5% GDP, but then that was because there was a major health crisis and there was a major virus going on. We spent on vaccines and you know, we spent on a lot of rental of a lot of expensive um, <laughs> conventions. convention centers to. to disseminate these vaccines. But coming back to the conversation, yeah. when we're so severely underfunded, how are we going to afford these doctors and also contract doctors, the discussion that's been going on there? I think that's the challenge because you have a lot of medical graduates every year. And ideally, you need to hire all of them because our healthcare system could use with more doctors. We would, we would love to cut down waiting times. You know, when you go to a hospital and you have to wait uh, two weeks, three weeks for the next test, the next doctor's appointment, instead of having them back-to-back. Uh, -back, you know, you go get your MRI, you go back and see your doctor, the doctor analyzes it and tells you, okay, this is what's wrong and this is the next course of action that we have to do. But that whole checkup process in the public healthcare system can take weeks. Sometimes even months. And sometimes even months. And 
And if you had more doctors and more nurses, we probably wouldn't have to be in such a position. Now, the thing is, when we are spending only 32 billion ringgit on healthcare, we, we can't afford to hire all the doctors that are graduating and, and want to work in the country. It, it's a challenge. And, and it's something that we need to deal with, not just by saying we'll hire all these doctors, but you also need to fix the part that we need to make a commitment to spend more on them. Then comes the second challenge, like how are we handling the, the huge pool of personnel, the huge pool of doctors Because it's not nurses. just doctors, it's also radiologists, it's also people who can, you know, yeah. other parts of the healthcare but, but, system. But handling them meaning, like how do we ensure that the promotions are fair? How do yeah. we ensure that working conditions are decent and and people don't feel discriminated, uh, there's no favoritism in play, what are the check and balances of this? And this is a problem throughout the civil service. It's not just the doctors, yeah. the engineers in JKR uh, have the same challenge. It's uh, the transparency of your career progression. It's yeah. not clear to you what is going to happen to you in the next five years, the next 10 yeah. years. Whereas, do you think other countries offer a more transparent? I, I think they, there's always a challenge in managing a large civil service. And so when you have a very insurance-based system and the hospital has very high autonomy in hiring you and there's not one central uh, JPA that's mm-hmm. hiring everyone, it's definitely easier to manage and easier to promote and it's easier for people to leave one hospital and work for another hospital. Now, if you leave the public health care, you leave the public health care because you, just, you don't leave the public health care in PJ and go look for a job in the public health care in Shanghai. That, that just doesn't happen in this country. And also transfers. Like I had a friend who was working in the Ipo GH who got transferred to Sabak Burma and she was graceful enough to accept the transfer because she wanted to serve and continue yeah. serving. But people may not want to live in Sabak Burma. Yeah. So, so there, there is a lot of challenges in managing it. Now, if you took it from the government's point of view, Nobody, we need may, doctors no, in Sabah nobody may want to go to Sabah Bernam. Yeah. Right? That, that's a problem. So somebody has to be transferred there. Yes. If not, the national healthcare objectives can't be met. So, yeah. so those are the challenges and, 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 and the problem of specialization. You know, a lot of doctors aspire to become specialists. And to get access to that, you need to move on from being a contract doctor to being a permanent doctor. Because of that, uh, the, the, the progression uh, for you to, to get on that path of specialization may be a bit cloudy and you may opt to leave the country and, and, and attempt to do that in Singapore. Because who really knows how many years you can spend on the contract before you are hired to be a permanent doctor? Possibly, possibly. So it comes back to the root problem of how much we want to spend on healthcare. And, and are we going to increase our spending on healthcare in the next years to come? And are we as a society willing to pay the price for that increase in, in healthcare? Or are we going to say as a society that, all right, we'll maintain the government hospitals as it is. Uh, that is a safety net for everyone, everyone who does not have health insurance. But we encourage you to go get your health insurance. We encourage more private hospitals to come up. I think this is a conversation that needs to take place. And I'm glad we're starting it uh, we're right starting now. It. And the Ministry of Health needs to weigh in, uh, needs to, to be part of this conversation. Civil society needs to be part of this conversation. You, our audience, uh, leave us a comment. Share with us your thoughts on how In whatever you platform you're listening to us, mm. watching us, whatever you're doing, share your thoughts with us because, you know, honestly, this is something that should be a decision that we all make together and we all strive towards. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's controversy number one for podcast number one. And, and how do we move forward from this? It's not very easy to solve. Yep. Um, and we may all have different ideas on how to, to solve that. And because, you know, with this initiative of tra- trying to record a podcast every week, we're not going to always pick a topic that has an easy solution. Sometimes yeah. it's left for us to discuss it together. Yeah. 
Yeah. Alright. So thank you so much everyone for listening to us today. I had a fruitful, productive time discussing this with today. Yes. And uh, bye-bye everyone and see you next week. Thank you. If you're listening to us on YouTube, please subscribe for more weekly videos. If you're listening to us on any other streaming platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please follow us so that you can you know, be updated with our weekly releases.